everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at Exodus chapter 3 today. And this is one of my favorite chapters of the entire Bible. This is the chapter where Moses has this famous encounter with God, and you get this revelation of the name of God. And people who know me well know that I nerd out hardcore about names. Uh, and this is where you get the name Yahweh, that name. And, and we get to actually, God sort of makes a joke. makes It's a, it's kind of the ultimate and original uh, dad joke here, right here. Um, and, and here it is. There's a pun, actually, that tells us what the name means. Um, so it's just amazing. Uh, for many, many reasons, that's that's why it's my favorite. Uh, but let's just go ahead without spoiling anything further than I already have. We'll we'll uh, we're going to go ahead and just get into this here. We're joined today. Our guest is Pastor. We've got Pastor Curtis Dieterding from Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Oh yeah, 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 Flor Fort Myers, Florida, uh, brother. Good to have you with us again. And uh, yeah, how is everybody down there in Florida, especially in the Fort Myers area? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Um, had a, had kind of an interesting start to our hurricane season, which officially starts on June 1st, in that we've already had three named storms, which is kind of odd. We don't usually start naming storms until as we get into the season itself. So as they said, it was a little bit odd this year. So we have uh, the third storm that's now out in the Gulf. It's called uh, Cristobal. Uh, it's uh, it started really actually over in the Pacific. Came across the uh -huh. the uh, peninsula down there in the Central America, and now is brewing there uh, somewhere around the Yucatan, and then uh, will make its way up to New Orleans. So we're getting some rain, a lot of it, and uh, so we're going to wow. be flooding out here over the next few days. <laughs> so uh, mm. it's a nice start to our season. But uh, it is very needed, though. We were in we were in a drought for so long, so this is uh, this has been very refreshing. Well, no, and uh, I mean that that's good. I mean, it is, of course. It, it seems like it's always that way, right? After like a long spell, you kind of after praying for rain, you you, you get a lot of it all at once. <laughs> but um, Lord, Lord, yeah, Lord willing, not 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 too too much. Um, don't want to be dealing with trying to get back to normalcy and, and COVID, everything, and flooding, too. I, I know the, the, the brothers and sisters out in um, certain parts of Africa were dealing with that, and that's just a mess to have these things stacked on top of each other. But, uh, yeah, certainly, uh, may God, uh, you know, be taking care of you guys. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. You, you think about the, the elements, uh, like water, um, uh, fire. Uh, you, you've got right. in these different scenes here throughout Exodus, the, the elements seem to, I mean, they, they, they seem to indicate the presence and activity of God, whether it's in, in the plagues, as we're going to see later or in Exodus, or it's the, the cloud and the fire that follows, or rather that leads the Israelites around in the wilderness, or even here, this, uh, this bush, yet it does not burn in the fire. It, it's interesting that that kind of, the mastery of the elements seems to be kind of God's calling card mm-hmm right yeah I mean that, that mean he always uh, always demonstrates his uh, divine power in, in uh, very miraculous ways that uh, seem to go against what uh, should be happening within nature so uh, just again just showing his mighty power as creator of all things the one who uh, can do anything that he wants with 
the forces of, of the nat- of nature as we understand them. So, Cer- certainly. Well, without any further ado, um, or, or we've already kind of said said a lot about you know kind of this this theme, um, God's you know mastery over everything that's going to come out. Um, and then also the name kind of talked about that a little bit already. So we'll, we'll get into it once we, uh, get there, uh, not put the cart before the horse, uh, before we read though, would you open us up with a prayer? Absolutely. Gracious God, we come before you knowing you that, knowing that you indeed are Lord of all things. And we hear that word, we hear the word Lord here this day. As you uh, speak to Moses and as you uh, describe who you are, uh, letting us know that you are the Lord, not, not just the God of their fathers, uh, of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, but you are the God of, of all creation. And uh, we give you thanks and praise that you have uh, come into this world uh, as sacrifice for us uh, to uh, resolve our relationship with you, to forgive us of our sin uh, that separates us from you and and to bring us back to yourself, uh, redeemed fully by the one uh, who even the people of God back in the day of Moses were were anticipating uh, coming someday, uh, to bring that victory, that glory over all of our enemies, and especially our greatest enemies of sin, death, the power of the devil, uh, that uh, we might be brought into eternity to live in your presence. Uh, so as we hear about Moses in the presence, in your, your presence among, with him that day, we pray that uh, you would remind us always that every time we are in your word, uh, you are there present with us, uh, continually uh, filling our hearts and our minds with uh, with your truth and with your will. And may we continue to be filled again this day, as we pray, all in the one who is our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Um, and, and certainly we'll, we'll want to be talking about the connection there, what you get between um, the name of God given here in Exodus chapter 3, and then the name of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. There's some pretty fantastic connections there. Um, but without um, going going too much further into it before reading it, I do want to just go ahead and read the chapter through. But um, anything that we should be listening out for um, as we go through chapter three in its entirety, any any key words, um, things like that, that we ought to keep our ears particularly open for. Well, you know how how we see that word Lord is, is a big one. I mean, you want to definitely want to be following and tracking that all the way through. And, uh, you know, especially when God is describing himself, who he is, and what that relationship means uh, for Moses, and, and also for us as well. And uh, just the names of the fathers, as I had mentioned, too, in the prayer, uh, along with uh, some of the tribes that we're going to be hearing about, uh, always uh, being reminded of what his task is going to be, what God's going to put him, uh, you know, put him in charge of doing what he's going to be responsible for when it comes to the Egyptians, especially um, what his background has been with Egypt and how that's going to play a role in why God is calling him specifically for this task of uh, delivering his people. Yeah, that's um, that's really good. Just not not even just the names. I mean, the names are, are very big, but then also just but where you're from, right? I mean, and those are you kind mm-hmm. of think about it. Those are k- kind of the two basic questions 
um, when you're encountering something new or someone new, it's like, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? Um, and, and so similarly, we've got the names, but we've also got <clears throat> where, where are things coming from? Where is Moses coming from? Um, where where is uh, the, the trajectory here in the origin? So yeah, uh, listening out for both of these things here uh, will be really instructive for us. Let's go ahead then with that in mind and turn to the text. We're looking at Exodus chapter 3 here in the English Standard Version. Here we are from the top. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry. Because of their taskmasters, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please, let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt 
will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you will not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor, and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. All right, so uh, so so many good things in this chapter here. Uh, you know, it, it's deceptive because you look at just the, the verses and there's only, uh, you know, uh, is it 22 verses, but... I mean, this this is just packed here. I mean, you've got the actual um, sighting of of the the burning bush, right? Which is just a symbol that's just, I mean, so, uh, I mean, just powerful, memorable, all by itself. You've got the actual, you know, the exchange with with Moses mm -hmm. and, and God, which is really something. You know, who am I to say this? Um, and the revelation of the name. Um, and then, you know, you have this description and God's just like, here's what's going to happen. And he just lays it out. Just, this is this is the book of Exodus right now. I'm just telling you, Moses, how the whole story goes. <laughs> uh, it's all being laid right. out plainly for the first time here. And we're going to see in the rest of the book how it unfolds exactly as God says. So, I mean, th this chapter is just so programmatic, so key for the, the whole book and really for all of Scripture then, too. Right. And then just, you know, what's underlying this for us today is that we know that this historical event, this, this picture, it, be, it becomes a picture of, uh, of a greater uh, deliverance. I mean, we've got this deliverance theme that's, that's running through this entire chapter um, that uh, Moses is being introduced to, that he's not, he, I mean, at this point, he has no clue <laughs> what this is all right. going to look like and how this is going to come about going forward. But God knows it, knows exactly what's going to take place. Uh, this is it, this is absolutely planned, this deliverance, just as our deliverance through Christ Jesus was very much planned by God, and God was totally in control of, of all of what was going on in the events. And so that's what makes this so powerful, too. I mean, we can see ourselves in this deliverance story because um, because Moses, you know, is, is kind of a a type of Christ for the people, helping to deliver them back in the day, and we have that uh, that deliverance theme here, that of course is uh, is greater through Christ Jesus, because it uh, is it's talking about the deliverance of all people of all time. So so this right. is uh, this is always it's nice to be able to see um, you know the bigger picture along with this, because you can hear. Uh, our deliverance in this story as well. Well, and, and I think that the, the what you're getting at there, this the, the bigger picture, I think this is what we had kind of being hinted at to prepare us for this back in chapter two, when, I mean, it was really interesting because we, we saw how uh, in chapter two, it was so key, the word see and sight. It was It was all about seeing, and it was such an interesting thing how uh, there, there's Moses who plans to try to save the, you know, his, his brothers um, through secret means, clandestine vigilantism, when nobody is looking, when no one sees. Um, and then you mm -hmm. contrast that with the way that God saves, which is that, I mean, I mean just think about it. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> this is, uh, I, I really think there's some kind of symbolism here. You've got the daughter of Pharaoh 
um, you know, you know, the, the daughter of Egypt, right, who goes down right. into the river and she sees God save his people. I mean, I mean, because Moses is, you know, drawn up. Uh, so, I mean, in that moment, it's like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send Egypt down into the river, <laughs> into the water, and they're going to see this happen. Uh, so, I mean, there's something really important about this, and this is what we've seen. You know, we see this in the Psalms that when God saves here in this moment in Exodus, this is for everyone to see. It's for Egypt to see. It's for all people to see. Um, and, and it's because of that, that, yeah, it's like you said, it's it's everybody. We all see this um, in, in this way, and we all get brought into this, and it's not just for Israel then. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, the, yeah this, this all, this whole Exodus, you know, the whole... The whole of the the story itself. I mean, we can see how it uh, how it you know unwinds, and we can, like I said, we can see every part of this uh, really attaching itself to the to the great deliverance that we have, of course, in Jesus. Just like you said, so yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Well, I mean, and of course, here. too. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, well, cer- yeah, no, certainly. I was going to say. Uh, with that seeing idea, I mean, that's that's very much also what you have in the Gospels, right? I mean, um, you know, John, of course, you know, the idea of the sun being lifted up like the snake for all to see, uh, there's right. that idea again. But even, but even in Mark, like we, we had just read in the Gospel of Mark, and, and there was that moment where the Lord, you know, he heals, um, he restores sight to the, to the blind man. He does it in those two phases, and we saw how that story is lined up right there with the disciples who are struggling to see spiritually right so i mean that really is the compliment here that you know here this salvation is is wrought by god for all to see but the problem is um, all the gentiles it's like we're like the blind man how okay god helps us see but we we're kind of just seeing it's like trees right it's like we're seeing the bush but we don't notice that there's fire there too and so we're, we're missing the manifestation of god um and, and so and so there's this idea that it's when the lord jesus comes and he then ref- he fully re- restores the sight and helps us to see now we can go back and look and say oh hey look at this like you were saying this is for us too um it's it's the lord jesus coming and, and just making it really clear and really helping us to see helping even the gentiles to really actually see this clearly mm-hmm. yep we do oh yeah i see i see yeah, yeah that's right that's right, that's right. And, and we, see, well, yeah. we see moses here well we see even moses here you know at the at the burning bush you know where it says Moses said, "I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush, bush, I'm sorry, bush, is not burned." And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Um, yep. And here he's going to, he's going to, he's just at the very front end of seeing all of what God wants uh, wants him to do and to, and to be a part of as he as he moves forward as the great deliverer. Right. That's right. It's very much set up that way that, you know, he, he comes aside to see this great sight and God's like, hey, I'm going to show all of is uh, all of Israel and all of Egypt some great sights. They're all going to see. So, yeah, no, certainly. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's really the the, the key verb that that ties to the, the two chapters together. Um, but let, let's go ahead then. And, um, and thank you for turning our attention here back to the beginning. Let's kind of go over this in a little bit more detail now. Um, so that, that we have our, our themes and kind of how this is all fitting together in the big picture. But now let's look at the little picture just a little bit. So 
we have there in verse one, um, you know, Moses keeping the flock of his father-in-law. So he's actually serving as a shepherd. So we talked about that a little bit last time. Uh, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Interesting that it's called that here. Um, and then in the next verse, we've got, and let me, let me keep scrolling this here down. And then we got, and then the angel of the Lord. And this is the first time that the angel of the Lord has appeared in Exodus. And I'm wondering right. if we've actually mm-hmm. had the angel of the Lord, this phrase even occur yet. Uh, if that actually occurred in, in Genesis. Yeah. Is it, is it the first instance of yeah. this in Scripture in general? I, you know, I haven't looked into that. I'm, I'm not sure if it was in Genesis. I was trying to think of what story that would be. Um, yeah, I, I believe it has actually uh, been used before. I was just thinking, trying to think through that. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know without researching it. I, I'd have to, I have to admit, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's. Um, it just, just kind of got my, my eyebrow going up there. It, it might be, of course. Now we talked about this last time a little bit. Um, there's really no reason to think that that Moses wrote uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy in exactly that order or something like that. <laughs> um, and that, you know, the way that I kind of see this, it's like, you know, I, I feel like um, Exodus is like, you know, your Star Wars, A New Hope, right? Episode four. Um, and then, you know, yeah. not to the disparagement of Genesis at all, but that's like the prequel trilogy then. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, right. I mean, you got, well, you got the story, you've you got the story of Abraham, you know, in Genesis. So, yeah, the angel of the Lord does appear to Abraham, as we know, um, when he was, when he's out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so th- this has, the angel of the Lord has been used in Genesis before. Um, I know that, uh, especially in uh, like chapters 16, 22, um, the, able, the angel of the Lord, when, when you know, as that's how the Lord God is described as he's calling to Abraham. So, okay, uh, yeah, does, yeah. Does, they do use it before, yeah, for this. Instance. Yeah, no. That is really interesting. That's ac- that's actually the last time that yeah you know I, I was just I was doing the same search there and, and yeah you're right it's actually the last time that we uh, well when it was actually the only instance in Genesis where it comes up which is interesting because mm-hmm. I mean we we saw I mean angel of the Lord that that pops up kind of with increasing frequency in some ways throughout the Old Testament um, but mm-hmm. and, and we're going to see angel of the Lord a few times in Exodus that was the only place in Genesis where you, where you have that. And so it's interesting that there's a connection just implicitly already here between Moses and what God's doing with him, and then Abraham, actually, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah. You can definitely see that it, it, there's a, a definite tie there um, with the, the identification of God as the angel of the Lord. So even though this is a different uh, mountain uh, than the one where uh, Abraham saw uh, God, right? Um, you know where, right. where he. Though actually, isn't that interesting? That the, if I'm if I'm recalling correctly, that mountain where God uh, calls out to Abraham. What does he call it? He <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Um, the name there in Hebrew. Do you, do you recall that where where he goes and he offers? I remember his son. the mountain, but I don't remember the name. I'm just kind of like you. I'm kind of blanking out on that one too. So. No, but isn't it, I want to say, doesn't it mean like something like God has seen or something like this, where um, he he called, where, where is it here? The, oh, no, no, that's right. He calls it the, the Lord. The, no, no, it's actually the, the Lord will provide, right? Um, that's but it. I mean, that's it, it. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, so I mean, that's just that's interesting. So it's a different mountain, right? But like already there's this connection and it's like, yeah, God is, God is seen and God's going to provide for you. God, and this is like the message that, that, um, he has, uh, but we're, we're already running over time here. Uh, it's time for our break, but everybody hang on. We're looking at Exodus here. Chapter three, we'll be right back. Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. On this Thursday, June 4th, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Ken and Joan Voges of Redbud, Illinois. Ken and Joan made a gift to KFUO Radio in thanksgiving to the Lord for 78 years of His love and blessings. They will be celebrating Joan's 78th birthday this Thursday on June 6th. Thank you, Ken and Joan Voges, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. Blessing is a condition that's true even if you're not completely conscious of it or even if you don't fully appreciate it. Only God can bless in this sense. And Jesus, sitting in God's spot on the mountain, speaks for God as the Son of God, and he blesses. Dr. Michael Ziegler, this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 12.30 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Pastor A.J. Espinosa, we're looking at Exodus chapter 3, though we were taking a moment to compare something back in Genesis chapter 22. Just so many Genesis connections, of course, but connections uh, to the Gospels, as we were just talking about uh, John 3, and then what we have with in Mark, the Lord Jesus helping us to see it's the Lord Jesus who really shows us God the Father and how we are included in his salvation. We're joined today by Pastor Curtis Dieterding at Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. If you're listening live and you have a question or comment for us, join the conversation. One eight. Let me see, actually. I don't think actually phones are a thing today, but uh, you can email kfuo at kfuo.org. Or if you're following along on Facebook, you can actually, the, the stream's going up there. You can check that out, um, facebook.com slash So Just type something in the comment box. There's already a couple of, uh, you know, like likes and comments there. People just saying hi, hello, everybody on Facebook. But questions or comments, don't be shy about that either. Uh, also, want to encourage you guys to check out our underwriters of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, their website, lhfmissions.org. Thank you, Lutheran Heritage Foundation, for your support of Thy Strong Word. So, uh, yeah, so we were just talking about that. I, you know, I was uh, trying to remember that this, the name of this mountain uh, that Abraham had this experience. And it's so, and I was just thinking, is, does, is it, doesn't it, isn't it called the Lord will see? And I looked it up just like you did. Um, and it says there in Genesis 22, 
uh, right, it's in Genesis 22, verse, where is it here? Uh, yeah, it's in verse uh, 14. 14, 14, yeah. And, it's, and it says there, yeah, the Lord will provide. But see, and I was like, oh, I guess it's not that not too bad. Must have been thinking of something else. But no, actually, when, when you look in the Hebrew, the Hebrew says Yahweh Yireh, which is literally Yahweh will see. So I don't even, I can't remember even why they translate it as uh, uh, the Lord will provide. But I mean, that is, that is so fascinating that even by connecting it to the story of Abraham, this is, hey, God has seen your plight. I mean, in the same way, right, <clears throat> that that Abraham was about to lose his son, right? Um, God sees this and stops this from happening. And so similarly, uh, you know, the Israelites are in danger of losing their sons because of Pharaoh. God, in, in a sense, this is something that's really fascinating with the way that Scripture talks about this. Uh, God is, in a sense, in danger of losing his son Israel because of Egypt. Um, but he sees, and he's not going to let it happen. He stops it. So, I mean, a really, I mean, and just, of course, highlights the, the, the seeing theme even more. So, actually, really, really cool connection between the mountaintops, too. Yeah, it was also, you know, because we were talking about, you know, where else had we heard of the angel of the Lord? And, of course, it's there at, uh, of course, this is the whole story about Isaac and, and uh, being spared. You know, it was going to be given as a sacrifice and so forth. But it's kind of interesting to see, too, back in uh, the, the previous verse, verse, you know, previous verses, verse 11, you know, where it says, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham's response is, here am I. And it's just interesting that uh, those yeah. same words are shared both with Abraham and with uh, that same exchange. Uh, that, yeah. you know, God gets his attention. So that's uh, through the angel of, of the Lord. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more ties, too, uh, that we could find uh, between those yeah. two stories as well. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, let's, let's though, take a look here. at We want, we want to get into this revelation of the name. So, uh, so we have these connections. We know what's up. Uh, big picture here. We're going to have, you know, God has seen this, this problem. He is not going to let it go by unattended, unanswered. These prayers are going to be heard and answered. Um, Moses sees this sight, and then God reveals himself to him. Very interesting what he says. The first thing he says, right, is, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This is such a key way of God revealing himself. And it's interesting, even before he says Yahweh, um, you know, even before we get something like, you know, the God of the Hebrews or, uh, you know, the God of the, this mountain or, or anything else, it's God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. This is for us, you know, when this word is written, it is definitely for us to show um, the, the connection that that this God is the God of all. He's the one of, who has chosen these people um, to be his own, uh, to be really his people among all nations, uh, revealing who he is. And so uh, this is very powerful because it's connecting back to all of those patriarchs and all the way through so that we know that this is the God uh, that is the God of the Israelites. Well, and, and I think that the way that, that really becomes clear that this is 
this is the God of all. Because, I mean, it's interesting because you could take this as, hey, I'm the God of this line, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, grandfather, father, son. So if you're on that line, good news for you, right? If you're not, then... Um, so that's one way of taking it. Um, and then, of course, there is something to it in that God is identifying himself relationally. And he isn't talking about himself in a specific way. He's saying, hey, I'm, I'm this God and not the God they're worshiping over there in you know this other place or one of the many gods, really. Um, so there is kind of that side to it. But it's interesting how this comment just came through on Facebook. Thanks for reminding me of this. Um, the Lord cites this in Luke 20 and also in, um, in was it, Matthew 22 and Mark 12, that uh, this is where actually the Lord Jesus goes back and says, hey, look, you, you want to you see where the resurrection is talked about in, in the Old Testament? Here, look, I'll even restrict myself to the first five books of the Bible. It's right there in Exodus 3, because he says, I'm the God of your father, of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. And then what's the Lord say? Well, he's not the God of the dead, but of the living, which is just right. such a, I mean, it's, it's so fascinating because not anything that I would have thought of on my own in a thousand years. Um, but I mean, just thinking about that, it's so profound because, hey, look, if God's going to put his name on, on this people— He's not going to let them be abandoned. I mean, that's the move that that Moses himself makes. Like, hey, you can't just give us your name and then just uh, turn us over to the Egyptians. I mean, what are they going to say about you then? Right? I mean, that's what Moses says. So that logic is there. But it's more profound in Christ. He says, hey, look, if, if he puts his name on these particular patriarchs, he's not going to let those particular patriarchs just stay dead forever. He's not going to have... The, the, these these dead you know bodies these you know piles of bones just kind of on his holy ground right like attached to him right. that doesn't make any sense if he's put his name on them then they live and and it's it doesn't, he doesn't go into any explanation here of course into how Abraham and Isaac and Jacob might still be alive in some sense um, but he, I mean there it is there's there's the the insipid promise there right the promise comes all the way through and. And so that's why we see the uh, the names of all the people that this line came through at the beginning of the Gospels, a couple of the Gospels there, uh, where you, you've got this uh, this listing of all these names. So this is important. This is this this is the promise that came through these people, the promise that is eventually going to be fulfilled in in Christ Jesus, of course. So so right, yeah. So that's I mean that's how we get to what is truly a, a universal resurrection of all flesh for all people in Christ, that universality of it all. Um, and, and so then, you know, God continues having identified himself in this extremely important way. He goes and then identifies the land that he's going to give them. And it's interesting because he, he does this already. Um, you know, I mean, I mean we're, we're a long ways away from talking about the people groups that we're going to you know, do battle with. I mean, really, we're not going to get into that really until Joshua. Um, but he goes ahead and he lists it here. This is, this is the specific place I'm taking you to, taking you to which to your point, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how there's, this is all planned. This is not improvised here. This isn't, you know, right. hey, I'm going to get you out of Egypt and we'll find a good place for you guys, I'm sure of it. No, he's like, hey, I'm going to take you to this particular spot. And I'm, I'm, I'm so particular about where I'm taking you, I'm going to name you the, I mean, what is it, the one, two, three, four, five, six peoples <laughs> that are occupying this particular territory. Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, that spot. Um, so, yeah. I mean, like, the, 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 the promise is 
big here. Right. Just think of all the things that are going to have to happen to move from Egypt to get yeah. to the promised land. Um, that had to be running through through Moses' head. You know, like, yeah. Uh, this is not just a little project. This is like a master, major world history move that's going to occur here. Yep. Well, and I'm thinking that's that's part of why he's he's just feeling very small right now. He's just like, oh my goodness, this is this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's appeared to mm-hmm. me in this this crazy way with the the bush on the on fire, and we're going to go to the. Sp- I mean, like, so this is a huge, huge task and happening that's before him. And um, and then he says, you know, in verse eleven, uh, you know, after God says, "Here, I'm, I'll send you to Pharaoh," and you know, you, you go ahead and you make this happen, Moses. And Moses is just like, "Okay, no, hang on. <laughs> who who am I that I should go to Pharaoh?" And and the emphasis, right, is very. I mean, there's that emphatic eye. It's like, what? me, little old me. What makes you think that I can do that? Exactly. That's what makes this. That's what makes this story even more interesting. It's, it's like. The reaction is the reaction of any of us, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, none of us would feel that we would be capable of anything like this. And the truth of the matter is, he isn't, because without God, um, he understands where he stands in relationship with God. That, uh, but with God, it's a it's a whole different it's a whole different ballgame. And we see that God definitely, um, you know, as, as we were as we've been talking about, this is all planned. Um, the timing, the number of years in the wilderness, everything is going to be planned for a specific reason, uh, and that is to continually point us to the one who's coming to actually deliver us eternally. So, um, Amen. So is, and, and it's what you just said, that, that the, the difference, right, and it's important that Moses asks this question, because um, it's, it's what we already saw set up in, in chapter 2, right? When Moses tries to do everything on his own, bad things happen, right? Uh, right, but right. he's not going to be on his own. And in, in verse 12, God says, um, in, the, in our translation here, but I will be with you. And that's the thing that makes all the difference. And, and literally in Hebrew, and I think this is, this is right, he says, because I will be with you. That's why. You know, I mean, the question is sort of like, well, how am I supposed to do that? How, what's the reason for that? Because I'm going to be there too, Moses. Don't forget that. And, and I think that that's, right. that's so key. Um, and, and I think that that's also the, the beauty of the, of the part here that says, you know, I will, right? I mean, that's, it's that future tense, it's that promise, it's that, it's that connection that, that God is saying that it's that commitment. You know, I am going to do this. I will be there. You know, th- you know you're happy right now. You see me. Right. Well, I mean, you're scared out of your mind, but I mean, you're, you're at least, you know, like you're, right. you, you can't deny, you can't deny that I'm here. Right. But you're, you're scared that maybe I won't be later. I mean, that's that. And I think that's the fear that we all have. We all have our moments um, where we have a religious experience or we're feeling really good or life's great. And we're like, you know, there's God in this. Right. But we have our moments and where we're afraid that he, it's not going to be like that later or that we're going to run into a bad situation um, or that, you know, it's it, we're just kind of dreaming right now and it's not going to be this way later. And, and this is why the promises are so important, that promise of that future tense, I will be there with you through all of the crazy stuff. When you're there with Pharaoh, when you're there in the Red Sea, I will be with you. You know, and I, and I believe that, you know, once, once he had that full trust that God was going to be with him, 
um, you know, obviously we see a change in Moses at that point. And once the word is spoken to him, it gives him strength now to do as he's been called to do. And, uh, and, and, yeah, I, I don't, you know, can't get into the, the head of Moses to know exactly how he felt, but, you know, trying to put myself into the story, I think to myself, you know, to know that God is on my side would give me the kind of confidence that he's not, he's going to keep, uh, keep me from suffering death because he's using me and calling me to make sure that these people get delivered. Um, I think that would give me a, a, a definitely uh, a different level of confidence that I wouldn't have had uh, prior to the conversation with the Lord. Like, uh, you want me to do what? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and yeah. actually what he's saying is I'm going to do this, but I need right. you to be my spokesperson. That's what he's telling him. So. Right. So he, he's inviting him graciously to be part of this, um, though he, he's going to be the one to actually do the thing. Yes. And, and so you're right. The, the promise is, is what gives him some confidence, um, though he's not, you know, we're going to see he's not totally quite confident yet. You know, you know, he never quite will be. But so God has to keep reassuring him. But but now he kind of turns his attention and says, OK, well, let's say that I believe you. <laughs> but the thing is, right. they won't. Right. Because they, last time we spoke, right, were like, hey, who made you judge and prince over us, right, right. Mr. Egypt boy? Exactly. And they did, they didn't really, you know, like, accept me. And so what what am I going to say that's going to make them be like, oh, now, yeah, you're the true leader of the Hebrews? You know, like, we didn't, things didn't go so well uh, when I was there last time. And so, you know, so that, that's the question. Like, so what, what am I going to say to them? Like, how, how are they going to, you know, and so then this is the moment, right? And then God says... Um, you know, so what, what, what are they going to say? What am I going to say your name is? You know, what, what will your name be? And then he says this, I am who I am, uh, and say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And, and this is, I mean, this is just so fascinating because I, I mean, I really spent, um, I mean, it was, it was kind of in the process of actually doing part of my, my research for the dissertation work, but, uh, you know, really looking at this form, you know, I am who I am. Cause I mean, this has been a puzzle for people for forever, you know, but the form is very interesting because it, it's not the normal phrase at all for I am. It's not that word. Uh, it's it's actually the same form that he used earlier uh, back in back in verse. Where was it? Back in verse 12, where it's I will be where like I will be with you. That's the mm -hmm. form mm -hmm. that he uses. And, and I actually the, the more I studied this, the more I thought to myself, you know, what? actually, I think that's exactly what's going on. He says, I will be who I will be, you know, so, so like, you know, he's asking the question, well, who, who are you going to be? What, what's your name going to be? Right. And so God's like, what's my name going to be? Hmm, I will be, I will be right. So, I mean, and that's kind uh -huh. of the, the, the brilliance of, of the pun, like, you know, what, what's your name going to be? What, what are you going to be to them? Well, I will be, I will be. And he, so he just repeats himself. Um, but it's, it's significant because it, it's a commitment to, I will be with you. I mean, I, I think that's, that's the commitment. Like his name is actually all by itself full of promise. That's what it means. Right. I mean, he is, he is pure promise. He is pure grace. And so actually that's the way I go. Um, you know, there's a more philosophical side that says, you know, I am who I am. He is pure existence and the source of all existence. And I don't think I don't disagree with those things, but I don't think the point here is meant to be philosophical. I think it's meant to be full of grace and commitment and promise. That was very interesting. I, I, now I, now I understand you made a comment at the very beginning of the show here that, uh, of this, uh, the Bible study here that, um, 
this is one of your favorite books of the Bible. Now I understand that because <laughs> real deep research of the of this name of God, which it is. It is a it, it's it's a it's a bit puzzling um, because it's it's like what kind of a name is that? You know? Yeah. I don't know who I am. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> so. And so you've got this uh, this powerful name here, and it is. It's it's fascinating because um, it is not what you would expect God to have said. You would have you would have thought that he would have said you know Yahweh or Adonai or, or you know some other name of God that we use to to identify God um, as He has given it to us to, to tell us who He is. But it, yeah. it's very interesting that you know He said this. Right. Also, you know, puts on there that you know, I, I am the God, I am the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of right. Isaac. I mean, he does go on to be descriptive because it's like the people there are going to need to hear that too. Yeah, this is that's right. God that you're working for, by the way. Well, well, and see, that's fascinating to me because see that second part, right? That is the part where he, he is say he does say if you look at the Hebrew, I am. He says, you know, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I am is there. I'm not saying that I am is like illegitimate. It's it's there if you understand it um, in terms of I am the God of Abraham, right. Isaac, Jacob, which, as we said, is is gracious by itself too. Because if they're dead, but he's still their God, what's that tell you, right? I mean, so th- there's already promise and grace. But to think of it when he says, you know, um, I I will be who I will be. This is the thing that I didn't realize for a long time. He actually says Yahweh here, because the when, when Moses then turns around um, and then talks to the Israelites, well, he doesn't say I will be. He says he will be. So he changes it from the Hebrew um, Ehya to uh, Yihya. But and this is the thing that was I mean I just did not get. Uh, the archaic form, like the old form that they would have spoken a long time before and they actually wrote our manuscripts down, uh, would not have been Yihye, but Yahweh. And so Yahweh is actually the, the old form for he will be. It comes from Exodus chapter 3 when he says hmm. Ehye, which, which in, in the old way would have been Ahweh, would have been what God actually verbalized here. He will be Yahweh. That's there it is. There's the pun. Oh, I got it. Okay, yeah. I remember you were saying that at the very beginning. Now I, I'm, I'm starting to understand that now. Yeah, that's uh, it's very interesting. So because um, in verse 16, like he does say that, right? He there he when he talks to them, he says, "The mm-hmm. Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me." And if, if you're not, like, aware of the pun, you're like, now, hang on a second. Why is all of a sudden he's supposed to be talking about, uh, in verse 15 and verse 16, now, now, now the Lord all of a sudden? Well, because it is, he will be. I mean, so he, there's, there's the connection there, um, which is just so cool to see um, Yahweh then as a, as a name that basically means um, I will, you know, he, he is going to be with you. He will be with you. He has promised to be with you. That's what Yahweh means. Um, and, and, and I mean, it's, uh, and of course you actually get the word there in the translation there in verse 17, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. So, I mean, just to, to have that name mean, you know, he, he, he will promise he will be there. You know, he promises it's, it really is just, uh, what, what you see then in the new Testament in the Lord Jesus that, you know, he's full of grace and truth and really revealing the, the essence of God, um, in this promising, gracious gospel character that he is 
at, at, at the core. Right, right. And of course, the core of the, of, the, of the whole of Christ's work is the deliverance, you know, is this deliverance of, of us from our greater enemies, um, you know, not Egyptians, but uh, that of our sinfulness and, and our worldly flesh, the, 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 the devil and the power and the work of evil in our lives, and then also, um, well, death itself, you know, is, is part of that as well. So, um, I mean, those are the greater enemies that we have in this world that he is going to come and deliver us from. So that's why this is always such a beautiful picture, uh, because as we hear what happened in history with Moses, that God's power was at work in such awesome ways there, we see the same thing uh, when it comes to Christ coming into this world and now delivering us from uh, the greater enemies that we have. And so, uh, yeah, so the, and, and it works all the way through the book of Exodus. I mean, you can see it. Right. Well, well, yeah, no, you, you really can. I, I do think that this chapter, and, and really, you know, like I was saying, too, with the previous chapter, they're all setting us up for it. So we kind of have the key. We already have been given the plot. I mean, this is, this is, this is supposed to be how we're interpreting everything that follows. We're getting this now so that we, we get it as we go through the story later. Um, only a few minutes left here. I, w- I want to look at one more part of this, though. So, okay, besides the, the name of God, there's this this tail part here where he's turning kind of his attention to the Egyptians now, right? He's kind of right. dealt with Moses' insecurity. He's dealt with, okay, what am I going to say to the Israelites, right? Um, but now it's like, okay, now hang on, though, but how about these Egyptians that are kind of standing in the way of all of this, right? Um, so... Right. Um, so he gets the name. Yeah, I know that's right. They're not just going to just go along with this cool plan, right? It's like, well, we all agreed, <laughs> yeah. so you'll let us go, right? Um, no, but so so he gets the name, right? Say to him, the Lord, he will be Yahweh, uh, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And then, but this is so fascinating. Let's go a three days journey into the wilderness, right? So there is no like he demands that you let his people go. No, right. <laughs> he, he says. Just let us go do like a festival. We have a ho- an important Yahweh holiday, right? We need a few days off, right? Um, you know, there are no weekends at this point, right, in Egypt, you know, so it's, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, need, we need a break. We need a little holiday. So very fascinating that this is the request, and this is what, how he's supposed to deal with Pharaoh. And it seems like this is a, a command to be shrewd with Pharaoh. What are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean— because he's going, to, he's about ready to demonstrate what his power is. Because he knows he knows how Pharaoh is going to react to this. <laughs> so, so I think the powerful verse in all of this that gives the confidence and the assurance that um, you know God is going to use His divine power in awesome ways is verse nineteen. You know, he comes right in there and he says, "But I know, I know that that king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand." And then he talks right. about what his hand's going to do. You know how it's going to be stressed out, and we know that it's going to be stressed out in the form of plagues upon the people. So, right. um, yeah, that's that's a real to me that's a real powerful verse that, that you know starts to uh, propel him toward um, toward uh, you know taking on this this job. Um, he didn't well, even have I mean, to apply for this one. <laughs> well, and that's and that's just fascinating too when you really think about it in, in the first instance that you know God says, "Hey, look, just just uh, you're you're going to come worship me, right?" 
Um, and we're also not only get, you're going to worship me on this mountain, but we're also going to get you to the promised land. But like before we get to that part of the plan, we're just telling Pharaoh, hey, let's just go worship God um, on the mountain. And he's like, you know, Pharaoh's not even going to let you do that. <laughs> he's not even going to let you right. do that. But when I am through with him, I think that's kind of the idea here. When I'm through with him, not only will he let you go worship, but you get to plunder them and just leave, right? I mean, and that's, I think, the bit at the end about, you know, the silver, the gold, the clothing. You'll put them on the, the, the uh, your sons and daughters. You'll plunder the Egyptians. There's this plundering. And, and so this is, I think, where you get um, the connection. And we talked about this a little bit last time uh, where, to Christ, where, you know, the Lord, you know, he takes a three-day journey into the wilderness of death, right, through um, that, that period, that triduum that we celebrate for Easter. But when he comes out of death, um, he doesn't just like get to go out for a time. He's like, hey, guys, for 40 days, I get to be in the land of the living. No, he plunders death. He plunders death of all of its power because he is the ascended king and gives us those gifts in his church. So, I mean, very cool how it points to Christ already, those gifts for all of us, um, th those who you know, all of us brought into the promise of the resurrection. So just a lot of, a lot of good stuff here. Uh, so, so deep. But thank you so much, brother. I always... Enjoy our conversations, and you know, God be with you that you don't get too much of a good thing over there. So, God's peace. <laughs> we well, God be with you as well, and it's always a joy. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Everybody, that was Curtis, Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Moving on to Exodus chapter four next time. Uh, so cool this chapter. Um, so glad, so glad that we could go through it. But we're moving on. Um, until then, I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. Peace. been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.